0: If you have your Bible with you this morning, would you please open up to Proverbs chapter 31. And uh, I want to encourage you to either leave your app open or leave your Bible open the whole time so you can follow along with us as we go through this amazing piece of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31 is where we're going to be this morning. Heroes invite imitation. We want to be like our heroes When I was a little boy, one of my favorite television shows was the Dukes of Hazzard. So I wanted to be like them, especially in the way that they entered and exited their car, uh, which was by the window, not by the door. Now that I'm an adult, I know better, and I only do that when no one is looking. Um, But it's common for us to have heroes, especially in Christianity. It's common that we would have spiritual heroes. And I wonder if you have any. If you look to the Bible if there's anyone there you would say this person is my hero. It could be Moses leading Israel out of Egypt or Gideon defeating the Midianites. It could be David in front of Goliath or Nehemiah rebuilding the wall or Isaiah and his faithful ministry. It could just be Paul who straight up said imitate me as I imitate Christ. Our list of biblical heroes is impressive but it's Almost always incomplete because we always leave out one important option. She is the nameless woman of Proverbs 31. We're in a sermon series in which we are studying wisdom literature from the Bible. Uh, we've done, this is our third week now in Proverbs. Next week, we'll dip a toe in Ecclesiastes. Then we'll be in the book of Psalms. And then after that, the book of Job. So we're getting this wide survey of wisdom literature. But Proverbs 31 is more than mere wisdom literature. The description of the woman in Proverbs 31 is best classified as hero literature. She is praised as highly and as lavishly as any king of Israel was ever praised. And do you know who this hero literature is for? If I were to ask you before today, who is Proverbs 31 for? We might say, just knee-jerk reaction, oh, that's for women. And it's for preaching on Mother's Day. Uh, But did you know that this was not originally written Two women. If you go back to the beginning of the chapter, verse one, the writer of this chapter is a man named King Lemuel, and he's not recording his words, he's recording the words of his mother. This is motherly advice to her son. Now, there's scholars that would say, no, verses 10 through 31 is not written by Lemuel, but they're all wrong, and I'm the only one that's right, and I'm okay with that. I think this is still Lemuel's mother speaking and giving him advice. This passage was originally meant for young men. Does that mean that there's not something for women to learn? Well, of course there is. But what my point is that this passage had broad appeal to the whole family of faith. Men are to know this passage, not so that they can keep the women in line, but because the Proverbs 31 woman, this woman of valor, sets an example for all of God's people to follow. I want you to look at what one Bible scholar, a man named Bruce Waltke, had to say about this passage. He said, The valiant wife is canonized as a role model for all time. Wise daughters aspire to be like her, wise men seek to marry her, and all wise people aim to incarnate the wisdom she embodies, each in their own sphere of activity. Remember, wisdom literature sets forth exemplars, asking audiences to make the appropriate application to their own spheres. So the heroine of Proverbs 31 is far too great a teacher to be constrained for the benefit of only one gender. My brothers in Christ would do well to spend time with Proverbs 31 for our own benefit. In my opinion, Proverbs 31 would make excellent material For a men's retreat study. It's an excellent passage for a young man to memorize. It's an excellent passage to recite to your wife on her birthday. It's an excellent script to follow in your praying. And so my purpose today is to inspire all of us to imitate the Proverbs 31 woman. So that we would love the Lord and live a life worthy of praise. And to do this I want to show you three reasons for you to live like So, follow along with me as I read Proverbs 31, starting in verse 10. Who can find a wife of noble character? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from far away. She rises while it's still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff. Her hands hold the spindle. Her hands reach out to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. She's not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates. Uh, This is a brilliant piece of literature. Uh, Our English translation obscures some of the brilliance of this passage. In Hebrew, this is actually a poem, and it is a skillfully crafted acrostic. It's an acrostic of the Hebrew alphabet. It starts at A. Each verse in the Hebrew starts with A, goes to B, goes to G, it's Hebrew, not English, all the way through Hebrew A to T. If it were in English, it might look something like this. An amazing wife, who can find her? A blessed lady, her husband trusts her. A caring woman, she does him good all her life. A diligent worker, she is skillful with her hands. This is a description of the godly woman and all that encompasses her from A to Z, so to speak. This type of poetry is actually common throughout the Bible. You can find it all over the book of Psalms. You find it in the book of Lamentations. It's often found in the Word of God And so, even though we are not all married women, even though we do not all have children, the Proverbs 31 woman is still an example for all of us to follow. Why should we strive to imitate her? Let me show you three reasons from this passage. The first reason we should strive to imitate her is because her character is infinitely valuable. Her character is infinitely valuable. Uh, These first three verses speak of her incredible value. She's more precious than jewels. She fills her husband's life with good things. The good she provides goes far beyond anything money can buy. And what is it about her that makes her so valuable? Well, the text only gives us one answer, and that's in verse 10. We're told that her value is tied to her character. And what is it about her character that makes her so precious? There's a subtle hint in verse 11. Verse 11 tells us this. The heart of her husband trusts in her. The fact that this verse praises her trustworthiness is stunning. Not because women are inherently not trustworthy or because she is rare among women in her trustworthiness. It's because nowhere in Scripture do we find encouragement to trust anyone or anything apart from God. The fact that this woman is called trustworthy puts her in elite company with the divine. It's not to say she is divine. It is to say she is like the God she follows. An example from Psalm 118 verses 8 and 9 tells us it's better to take refuge in the Lord than in humanity. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in nobles. So the Bible tells us repeatedly that we can confidently place our trust only in the Lord. No other person or entity can be an object of our trust. So to speak of the godly wife in this way, a woman who fears the Lord is incredible. Verse 12 implies that she and her husband have a robust spiritual relationship. She's committed to his well-being. His life is enriched by her in a way that apart from the Lord, no other person or thing can accomplish her godlike character gives her a value that exceeds every human relationship and every human institution. There is nothing and no one on earth like her. Now, news alert our culture does not value a woman like this. I don't have to convince you of it, I'm going to tell you about it anyways, though. Our culture values physical appearance over godlike character. The women in our culture who are power brokers and influencers are those who seemingly meet unattainable standards of physical beauty. A recent study showed that over 50% of commercials aimed at young girls speak about physical attractiveness, while none of the commercials aimed at young boys refer to appearance. Nearly every image of a woman in popular media and in social media is doctored. Editors remove wrinkles and rolls and pudges and stray hairs and imperfections in the skin and anything else they want. Worse than this, let me tell you the plight of black girls. I'm a father of two black girls. And they are told by media, that their dark complexions are undesirable and that their natural black hair is a problem. And so they are peddled creams to lighten their skin and chemicals to straighten their hair. And even now, you would be hard pressed to go to any store in the South Shore and find a black Barbie doll that is a true representation of black complexion and hair. Here's what you will find. I know because I've looked for them. You will find a tanned Barbie doll with white girl hair colored black. Add to this the omnipresence of pornography. It's horrific accessibility to boys and girls alike. It's demonic depictions of so-called beauty and intimacy. And we now have multiple generations of people who have no understanding of a person's beauty and value the result is this our culture says your value is tied to your beauty and you are not beautiful as you are and you will only attain true beauty with the aid of a computer program or a phone filter or chemicals and procedures that mutilate your appearance so sisters let me tell you some truth this morning this broken world has no idea what true beauty is you possess inherent value because you are made in the image of God he has given you breath and shape and uniqueness and meaning and passions and you are never more beautiful than when you possess the character of Jesus Christ just like the Proverbs 31 woman now I don't know about you I want to be like that woman I want to be a man with God-like character. I want to be like the godly women who have modeled this for me in my life. Can you think of names from your own life? I'll give you names that you don't know, but these names are giants of the faith to me. They are women like Donna Wright and Barbara Crawford and Dixie Crisco and Kathy Butler and Doris Watkins and Kay Bazden and Margie Short and Octavia Humphreys. Women from my life who have walked with Jesus and shown me Jesus And by the world's standards, they are quaint and forgettable. But little does this world know that they are far more precious than jewels. I want to be like that. I want to be like these godly women. And so do you. Why should we imitate the Proverbs 31 woman? Because her character is infinitely valuable. Here's a second reason. Her actions give life to others her actions give life to others so verses 13 through 27 that's the bulk of our passage it describes all the work this woman does but it's important to note that with every description of work also comes a description of who it is that benefits from her activity sometimes we might approach this as a checklist hey here's all these things i have to do now But I think we missed the point there. The focus here is on the lives that she impacts. We can categorize this section in in four very simple headings that help us understand who it is that she's working for. And so we start with uh, verses 13 through 18. She works hard for her household. In verse 13, she selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. So wool and flax are used in making fabric. So she's choosing the items that she's going to use to make clothing for her family. Verse 14, she's like merchant ships bringing her food from far away. So verse 14, um, this is a picture of luxury. Think about how much it costs to bring in items from far away. When we used to live in Kansas, any seafood we ate came from far away its prices were astronomical its quality subpar but with a shortage of seas in Kansas had to bring that stuff in from far away uh, and so it is here this is a picture of picture of luxury it takes great resources to bring food from afar she's providing the best that she can for her family verse 15 she rises while it's still night and provides food for her household portions for her female servants so she forgoes her own comfort in order to meet the needs of her family. Verse 16, she evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. So, look, she's a clever businesswoman. She knows what makes one field valuable versus another. And she's able to negotiate the purchase. She knows how to use the field to her benefit and to the benefit of others. Verse 17, she draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. Every time I read that verse, I have an image in my head of the World War II icon, Rosie the Riveter. Her arms are strong for the task. Verse 18, she sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. So another reference to her hard work, the family's asleep, but she's up doing things for the benefit of her household. Not only does she care for her household, servants and family alike, she also cares for the needy in verses 19 and 20. uh, She extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. So spinning staff and spindle, these are tools used in weaving wool and flax into fabric. And the verbs here in these two verses are really important. They reflect each other. So in verse 19, her hands extend and her hands hold in order to work. In verse 20, her hands reach out, her hands extend to meet the needs of others. So she produces and she provides. The godly woman cares for those who cannot care for themselves. She's a benefit not only to her own household, but even to her community. But next, she cares for her own family, verses 21 through 25. So uh, she's not afraid for her household when it snows. They're all doubly clothed. You you got on multiple layers, you're going to be just fine. Uh, Verse 21, they're doubly clothed to stay warm. Verse 25, what does she wear? strength and honor are her clothing she can laugh at the days to come verse 22 she makes her own bed coverings her clothing is fine linen and purple not only for herself but then verse 24 she makes and sells linen garments and delivers belts to the merchants and then verse 23 the apex of this little section her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land he is respected among these people don't you get a picture of a confident woman in your mind here? This is a woman who trusts in the Lord with all her art heart and does not lean on her own understanding, and in all her ways she acknowledges him, and he directs her paths. That's what we find in Proverbs 31. Finally, this woman speaks with wisdom to others in verses twenty-six and twenty-seven. Her mouth speaks with wisdom and loving instruction is on her tongue. I hope that doesn't just fly by as a nothing verse. I hope you'll underline that, mark it, star it, and you'll put it in the hearts of your young girls, your daughters, your granddaughters in your own heart growing up so that we would know that our women have instruction to give. They have wisdom to share. This is so very different from other ancient cultures, ancient Greece, ancient Rome, make babies and shut up. But God's children, God's family, this woman, she has instruction to give, wisdom to share, and she does just that. So the emphasis on this section is not on all the work this woman does, but on the lives she impacts. She serves those who serve her. She cares for her kids, cares for her husband, cares for merchants, cares for those who have fallen on hard times. What we have here so far is a woman who in the first few verses of this passage loves the Lord her God with all her heart soul mind and strength so much so that she reflects his character and the reflection of her godlike character benefits everyone else she loves her neighbor as herself she shows us how to love God and how to love others this other mindedness is found supremely in Jesus who said in Mark ten forty five, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Good works that benefit others are the fruit of a heart that's owned by the Lord. That's why we want to be like this woman. Why should we imitate her? She has a character like God. She lives for the good of others. Third and finally, her life is worthy of universal praise. Her life is worthy of universal praise. Uh, Verses 28 through 31, the end of the chapter, is a big doxology. She's praised first by her children and her husband. In verses 28 and 29, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. And can I tell you, it has been my privilege to read these words at the funerals of so many godly women God has given us so many heroes. Can I also tell you, it is my greatest privilege to be married to a woman like this. God has been so good to me to give me a wife like Melissa who fears the Lord and walks with Him. Brothers, those of you who are married, does your wife know how you feel about her? How often do you use your words to praise her? Don't assume she knows. Do a quick inventory of your conversations from this past week. How much of that was business related, calendar related? How much of that was critique? How much of that was conflict? How much of that was praising her, giving her the praise she is due? Remove the guesswork from her mind and make words of praise a regular part of your talk to her. In verse 31, the last verse in the chapter, the woman's praised by her community. So first by her family, then by her community. Give her the reward of her labor. Let her works praise her at the city gates. I love this. I find it interesting that in verse 23, her husband is respected at the city gates. But in verse 31, she is praised at the city gates. He gets respect. She gets the song. And that's the way it ought to be. It's beautiful because she's lived her life for the benefit of her community, for the sake of others, and therefore she receives this praise. And then finally, in between the praise of her family and the praise of her community, the highlight of the passage is verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. The grammar here is vitally important. A woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Future tense. The praise of her children and husband, that's present tense. The praise of the community, that's present tense. So who is the one who will give this woman praise in the future? It is absolutely her God. Praise awaits her. When she stands before him, the woman who fears the Lord will hear the praise of the Lord. Oftentimes when we talk about heaven, we talk about it as a place where we will go and sing and praise for all eternity. And there is truth in that, and we should talk about it in that way. But we cannot forget that God is also a singer. And here in Proverbs 31.30 and in Zephaniah 3.17, God sings songs of praise over his children what kind of person will hear the praise of God at the end of their days it's the person who follows the example of this godly woman and fears the Lord so proverbs 31 is an amazing passage for women but not only for women this godly woman is an inspiration for all of us and she's worthy of imitation for three reasons her character is infinitely valuable her actions give life to others and her life is worthy of universal praise So I'm curious, what is your reaction to the Proverbs 31 woman? She's amazing. She's successful. She's adored. She's perfect. Is she an impossible standard? Is she a reminder of everything you're not? Is she a voice that amplifies your failures? Does she condemn you for being single? Does she condemn you for having a career outside of the home? Does she condemn you for not having children? Is she easily detested? Is she the reason you skip church on Mother's Day? How can she be a hero if all she does is point her finger in our faces and tell us how flawed we are? Why would we strive to imitate perfection, fully aware that we will never be like her? It's important to remember that the Proverbs 31 woman is a literary figure. She's hypothetical. There is not a woman in the Bible who actually lived like this, with one exception, sort of. I learned the following from a writer named... John Greco, the Hebrew phrase that's translated noble character in verse 10, a wife of noble character who can find, that phrase noble character occurs just one other time in the Bible outside the book of Proverbs. And it's used to describe an unlikely heroine. This woman was neither a wife nor a mother when the title noble Was given to her. She has no money. She scrapes by on the leftovers of the rich. She's not even an Israelite, but one spring night, curled up on the threshing floor at the feet of her benefactor, Ruth, hears these words Now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. But there are some huge differences between Ruth and the noble woman of Proverbs 31. While Proverbs 31, that woman has a husband who trusts her, Ruth buried her husband in Moab. In Proverbs 31, uh, the woman selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. But Ruth has no time for those types of things. She rises in the morning to harvest leftover grain and she doesn't stop until evening. The Proverbs 31 woman brings food from afar, exotic dishes to delight her family's taste buds. Ruth brings home a simple meal of barley to her mother-in-law, Naomi. The Proverbs 31 woman considers a field and buys it. Ruth also considers a field, but only to glean behind the owner's hired servants as a woman of poverty. The Proverbs 31 woman extends her hands to the poor, while Ruth waits patiently at Boaz's feet, hoping he will extend his And cover her with his garment, an act that would symbolize his commitment to redeem her and Naomi from their poverty. Ruth appears to possess none of the marks of the noble woman in Proverbs 31, yet she's still esteemed as a noble woman in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of Boaz. So there is hope for every daughter, for every woman, for every sister, for every mother. Hope for everyone that there is a different way, a better way. There's something beneath the flawless persona of the Proverbs 31 woman, a virtue that has nothing to do with planting vineyards and, or being clothed in fine linen, something that can set a woman apart even if she does not have a husband to praise her or children to rise up and bless her. What is that virtue? Ruth shows it to us. Despite her outward appearances and her heartbreaking circumstances, in a single moment, she clothed herself in the fine linen of Proverbs 31 when she told her mother-in-law this. In Ruth chapter 1 verse 16, she says to Naomi, don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. And here it is, your God will be my God. In this promise to Naomi, Ruth shows herself to be loyal and brave, but above all to be a woman who fears the Lord. And the Proverbs 31 woman shows us the same. She's not praised because she's so capable and so perfect. She's praised according to chapter 31 verse 30 because a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. There's honor for every woman who walks humbly with the Lord. And the same is true for every man Who fears the Lord as well what God values most isn't a woman who does everything to perfection on only four hours of sleep he values a heart that is fully his so Proverbs 31 pushes us towards the gospel it puts before us the reality that there's only one who is the perfect wisdom of God and that's Jesus and when you trusted Christ as your Savior and he saved you from your sin he gave you his perfect righteousness according to Galatians 327 we who have been baptized into Christ have clothed ourselves with Christ we stand before God blameless pure and perfect just like Jesus we didn't earn God's acceptance so we don't have to work to keep it this means that any time we live according to a checklist rather than by faith in Christ even if that checklist comes from the Bible we are not living in truth Proverbs 31 woman is not an idol for us to chase after. She's a reminder of our perfect Savior who loved us and gave us His perfection. So how do we imitate the Proverbs 31 woman? Well, it depends on what this passage reveals of your heart. If the passage shows that you're trying to earn the love of God by achieving perfection, you can stop. Romans 5.8 tells you God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you can stop trying to earn his love because all of his love is already yours. Or maybe this passage only reminds you of your failures. Then you'd do well to see that Proverbs 31 is something of a portrait of Jesus. The voice of Jesus from Proverbs 31 is not condemnation, but an invitation. It sounds like Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28 where Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. To imitate the Proverbs 31 woman, you might need to receive His love. You might need to rest in His grace. Regardless of what this reveals about your heart, all of us must be like her in our fear of the Lord. And the two key components of fearing the Lord as we've talked about these past two Sundays are a humble, worship in a joyful obedience. We show our reverence for him by worshiping him with our lips and our lives, and we show our reverence for him by living in line with his will. Knowing I'm loved by God gives me a song to sing, and experiencing the rest of God makes me wanna follow him more and more. One of the greatest Christian influences in my life has been my grandmother. She's 91, she loves Jesus dearly, And when I was a little boy, she would sing a song about how much she loved me and how precious I was to her. Uh, She sang it only for me and no other grandkids. Well, she sang it to them, but she only meant it when she sang it to me. I mean, if you knew my brothers, uh, she would change out the names in the song whenever she sang it. Into my adulthood, it has not been uncommon for me to receive voicemails from her. And she wouldn't say hello she would just start singing that song. And even as an adult, that simple song has been joy to my soul. Every time she's sung it, I've believed it to be sincere and true. I love that song more today than ever because I know a day's going to come when I won't hear it anymore. One day, something that's true for all of us in this room is we will close our eyes here for the last time and we will open them in glory for the first time. And then our ears will hear for the first time, but not the last time, the song of our Savior, who might sing something like this over you, my child. Many people have done noble things, but you exceed them all. Don't you want to hear that song? Sisters and brothers, let us live now and forever in the wisdom of God. And before we end, I want to take a moment and speak directly to you if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've not trusted Him as your Savior. You have to recognize that Proverbs 31 is not a checklist. You can strive your entire life to live up to this ideal, but you must know you you will never achieve it and you will never overcome the damage your sin has done in your relationship with God. Your sin separates you from God. That's true of every person, not just you. And in God's economy, sin requires a death payment. But there's good news. God loves you and has provided a substitute to die in your place. That substitute has to be sinless and perfect. And there's only one who was ever that. It's Jesus because Jesus is the God who became man. He's born of a virgin. And since he is the God-man, he lived a sinless life and is alone qualified to die for your sins. He's God's perfect and only sacrifice for your sin. Jesus laid down his life and died in your place. And on the cross, he experienced all of God's wrath for all of your sin. By his blood, he paid for your sin in full. He died on that cross and three days later, rose from the dead. So how do you get his death and resurrection credited to your account well jesus loves you and promises to forgive you and give you eternal life if you'll turn from your sin and trust entirely in him for your salvation you're going to turn away from your old life your old sin your old morality and you're going to trust entirely in jesus christ to give you new life and he will you can express your faith in him through a simple and sincere prayer using your own words And if you have questions and want to talk more about it, then when our service is over, come and grab me. I would love to talk today and see you trust Christ so that you might live a life worthy of praise. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for the Proverbs 31 woman who ultimately shows us Christ. I pray for my sisters in the faith, God, that you would lift their eyes to you. You know their hearts. You know the intricacies of their thoughts. You know the ways in which they may define themselves by their failures or shortcomings. But Lord God, show them the beauty they possess being made in your image, fearing you and having your character guide their steps. Thank you for our godly women, without whom our church would not press forward in the mission you have given us. I'm so glad that when creation was incomplete with Adam alone, you didn't give him a board of elders, you gave him a woman. So, Father, strengthen my sisters that they would walk by faith, not striving for a love that they already have in you. God, I pray for my brothers that we would be Proverbs 31 men, that we would fear the Lord and we would walk in wisdom. And for my friends in here that don't know you as as their Savior, Father, soften their hearts today, awaken faith in them, that they would step away from the old dying way of things and they would walk in new life by faith in Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.